Uh, are you sure we should be trying to operate these things without reading the instructions, Zan? Well, if there's one thing I've learned from reading manga and watching anime, all you need in order to pilot a mech is burning spirit and lots of courage. Well, I don't know about the burning spirit and courage bit, but I do see this giant red button. Just raise that school, that hospital, and that church. What's wrong with you? Uh, uh oh. Commit pilots for the big D container one. Commit pilots. Hey, what's up, robot voice? What do you mean, robot voice? I'm a 23 year old girl from Cincinnati. Uh, well, I find your monotone voice sexy. Can it creep? I'm a lesbian. Stop flirting, you two, so what do you want? Well, I want to let you know that this episode contains adult language, mature situations, candy-eating doll creatures from the ocean, pylonars, robot punches, transforming swords, and photonic energy. Attention, humans! I, Master Gaylord Bates Sissy Pants, pilot of the refrigerator Clemens X, will lay waste to your city of non-dinosaur daywalkers with my army of dark brain wielding warriors, mechanical beasts, transgender barons, and old men disguised as old men. Hear me! Do you think that listener discretion is advised? Screw that, let's kick some ass! Missile Punch! Welcome to another episode of the Spark and Mong Review. This is your host, Zan. This is your co-host, Deke. And we are fucking pumped today. <laughs> and why? Just because, well, of burning spirit. We have burning spirit. I found some spare courage behind the door. Yes, and we are pumped today. Now, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome. Spark Inside, that provides information and views about manga. Every episode, we'll review one or two titles, depending on the situation, and if I have a co-host. And we tell you a little about it. We tell you what the manga's about, how the art is, and if it's even worth reading. You can check us out at www.spirekin.com. You can check out our forums at spirekin.darkbb.com. You can email us at spirekin at gmail.com. Zan at spirekin.com. Deke.spirekin at gmail.com. We're under Twitter under Spirekin, and if you want to leave us a voicemail... 206-350-8462. That again is 206-350-8462. And holy shit, this is going to be a fucking fun episode. Because we are fucking pumped! That's action-packed already, man. Already. Even before we started that. And don't worry, <laughs> Master Gaylord Sissy Patch got his ass kicked. Yeah, we did the uh, the double nut kick and crushed his robotic balls. And down goes Sissy Patch! Down goes Sissy Patch! The crowd goes wild! Ah! ah. Yes, this is a very fun episode, so don't worry about it. Hold on one second. Ah, much better. I don't sound as nasally as before. We're a little bit cold because of the weather, because it's all... Going crazy, and for some reason, we're both simultaneously sick. I have a theory that Zan gave me some crazy manga plague, and now I'm infected as well. So. I disagree. I blame it on Jubbles. Oh, I don't know about him. I, I, th- have, I haven't seen him in a long time. I think he's the, the harbinger of all illnesses. <laughs> he's like a germ popping spores in your face. I know, and he's like, <laughs> Just coughs on everything and touches it. Yes. That's the reason why I won't let him on episode yet. <laughs> Until this is gone, then he'll be back and we'll do things. But, either way... It's a pretty cool episode. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to talk about a bunch of different things. But first, before we do anything, we have news. News. I love news. And the first bit of news is about Vertical Ink, ironically. We've talked about Vertical Ink. They're the more interesting and more adult manga publishers. First off, they finally picked up No Longer Human. They finally confirmed that they got Usamaru Furuya's No Longer Human. When the first I heard about this was at New York Comic Con, 
And I actually recorded when they first announced it, but they didn't confirm it, so I couldn't release it yet. So, soon I'll be releasing that actual episode. Which was just from New York Comic Con. It's a little late, about, I don't know, three months? Four months? months? Yeah, a little bit longer. Something but like still, that. that's pretty exciting news. And Ed Chavez released a bunch of other news. Now, besides No Longer Human, which is a character study, we also picked up Princess Knight, which is about a princess raises a boy so she can inherit her kingdom's throne. It's an old school thing by Osamu Tezuka. Well, it's a no Osamu Tezuka. Nine out of ten, it's going to be fucking awesome. The other thing they picked up, finally, surprisingly, is Drop of God. And... Uh, it's about a young man whose father is this asshole. Okay. He's a famous Japanese wine critic, and he passed away. The kid goes to get his inheritance, and his father adopted this guy. And this guy actually is in line for the inheritance, which should be the sons. Hmm. And he makes a deal. He says, look, I'll do something crazy. Because I have my adopted son and my real son, and they both want my inheritance, I'm going to make them fight for it. In a weird way. You have to identify 13 wines... I'm not going to tell you how to do it or what they are. I'm just going to give you hints. The first one to do it gets my vast fortune, which is this gigantic wine collection. (laughs) I don't know about this one, man. Each volume is 400 pages. Oh, my God. It's a pretty long series. It's still going out to 27 volumes. And surprisingly, it's boosted the sales of wines in the world because it's very in-depth. It's like bartender, but informative about the different styles of wines, like how to taste it, what the scents are, why you shouldn't leave it out, why you should have it in certain ways difference between blushes and really and all that's included in the manga yeah food manga is very in depth for example the series Oshimbo they get very in depth into how to create the types of food depending on what they're making if it's the fish stories they said exactly how to get that right flavor Hmm. or in bartender they tell you exactly how to get that right taste if you're drinking a grasshopper or drinking a bloody mary food manga is very that's pretty interesting. I don't know, like, as a, a speculative listener telling me there's a manga about wine, I might consider that a snooze fest, but since you explained it that way, it might actually be pretty cool. Again, the other thing is that it is for ascending demographics, so anyone under the age of 21 is probably going to be bored by it. When you get it's like Blackjack was. When I first read Blackjack, I hated it, because I was young and I couldn't appreciate it, but now as I got older, I can appreciate the series, and I do enjoy it. It's one of my favorite series. Uh, I think they need to work on the title of Drops of God. That sounds like God taking a shit. Or well, it could be the original original title, which is Le Juste de Dieu. Le Juste de Dieu. Well, who knows? Who knows? Other spot of news is something a little bit more. Well, blah. Turns out that Detective Conan is getting a live action TV special. Why? I know Detective Conan's fucking insanely old, but why are you doing a live action of it? Why? Ah, look, I found another clue. Let's go chase the bad guy. Wrong, Conan. Oh. For those who don't know, Detective Conan is about this kid named Jimmy. He's a young man who gets poisoned and he's turned into a little boy. Even though he has the intelligence of a 17-year-old, he now looks like he's five and he's a detective. Huh. Does he grow old? Uh, So far, it's been 30 years and he's still the same fucking age. <laughs> that so. sucks. And the thing is, his girlfriend doesn't realize it's him and he's like seeing his girlfriend. He has to call her and say, I'm fine, honey. I just disappeared for a while, yet he's in the other room, and he has, like, a voice changer. He's like, <laughs> like, oh, Conan, where you been? I was just talking to Jimmy. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't know. Well, that's that's got to be a shitty dilemma. It's like an uh, interview with a vampire. You know, Kirsten Dunst gets bit as a 13-year-old girl 100 years past, and she's yeah. still 13. Yeah, it sucks. Well, there's not much other news. A bunch of things like, who the current New York Times new manga bestseller in? And 9 out of 10 of them are all fucking Black Butler and Naruto. <laughs> who fucking cares? Yeah, that, those are popularity contests anyway. And yes, I know, Cal loves Naruto and he's become a fucking huge convert. And I'm surprised he isn't walking around with that fucking headband on. <laughs> I know, I've just lost half the demographic and I'm going to apologize. I do think Naruto's okay, but I just think that the fans are insane. Just a little bit. Yes, if you're getting mad right now, you're one of those insane fans we're talking about. Yes, but either way, we should get past that. Because we have a lot to talk about, because some of you haven't listened to some of our earlier episodes. And you're probably wondering, what are they going to get to the manga? What are they going to get to the manga? Where's the manga? (laughs) Well, we'll get into the manga. If you remember from the last episode, we spun the mysterious and wonderful Wheel of Manga. And it dictated until I'd be reviewing two mangas today, so... Deke, you go first. All right. The gods of the wheel, as uh, I like to refer to them, the gals, dictated unto me that I shall be reviewing a manga written by Hiromishima, who you may recognize from 
uh, way back on this podcast in episode 32, I believe, also did a series called Fairy Tale. It's with a character who looks similar to the main character, and another character from this series actually shows up later on. We'll talk about him in a moment. Yes. So I guess I'll just go right out. The name of this manga is called Rave. Or over here as Rave Master. <laughs> Hold on, I need to take a pill. No, it's not ecstasy, it's just cold medicine. Okay, there we go. Alright, so Rave, uh, what, what should I say about Rave Master? It was published by Tokyo Pop. The demographic is shonens, people roughly a little bit younger than us. The original run was from 1999 to about 2005, so it had a pretty lengthy run with 32 volumes. Oh, 35 volumes. It spawned a TV anime, there was a couple of games for the Nintendo, and it just basically became a very popular series, apparently. And I can see why. So let's see, we start out Rave Master. Okay, so we open up, it starts out on Garage Island, where 16-year-old boy Haru Glory is fishing. You know, just, what else are you going to do? You live on an island called Garage Island, <laughs> what else is there to do? You're surrounded by an ocean. So he's fishing, blah 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 blah. He gets a bite, and he pulls something up. Uh, what is it? <laughs> well, that's a good question. What the fuck does he catch? He calls it a fish at first, but it's basically this this white, round, dog-like thing. It has a tail, but it also has opposable thumbs. It's got a, like a cone-shaped horn coming out of its face. It's the color of a carrot. He kind of looks like a really fucked up snowman, but he's like a dog, and I, I can't really explain it. And he has a love for candy. He, he actually loves candy. What's wrong with candy? <laughs> Nothing is wrong with candy. I love candy, too. I can see why he loves candy. A little bit later on, we find out this thing's name is... So Haru's like, oh, well, what the fuck is this thing? I'm gonna give you a name. Your name is Shibi blah blah blah. Whatever the fuck he calls it. And he takes it home to his sister. His sister's a little bit older than him. I think she's like 20 years old. And the first thing you notice when you get to Haru's house is that there is this strange being attached to the side of it that looks kind of like a sunflower and it has a pair of hands jutting out of the house and he's alive and he's strange and his sister is there and she's like well what the fuck is this thing he's like oh I caught it it's a fish she's like no you idiot it's a dog obviously and it's not a dog or a fish obviously but whatever they'll call it a dog so whatever so anyway Haru goes to town goes to visit his friend Gemma who well he's not really his friend he's this 50 year old dude who runs the pretty much the only shop on Garage Island. He's like, oh, look what I caught today. It's my, my little pet dog. And he's like, that's not a dog. And he just starts cracking up maniacally. This guy's just laughing. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Fucking going nuts. Bullshitting, shooting a breeze. And this old, decrepit man with a fucking spiky mohawk wanders in. He's like, oh, hello, Gemma. Or actually, he calls, I forget, uh, he calls Gemma by his father's name. He's like, hey, that's my dad. He died 100 years ago. You know, I'm Gemma, remember? He's like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, he starts talking with Haru, and basically not much is, is discovered at this point, so they go outside, and then all of a sudden there's this fucking, this creep outside, and he's, he just looks, he has like long hair, he looks like a fucking punk, he, he just looks like a bad guy, your stereotypical manga bad guy. So like good number X. <clears throat> yeah, so... How do we know he's a bad guy? Well, the first thing he does is kick the old man in the face, and he steps on Haru's lollipop, which he went to Gemma's store to buy. If that doesn't say evil, I don't know what the fuck does. So, Haru gets pissed. He's like, hey, fuck you. You can step on my candy. You can fucking push me around. But the moment you, you hit an old man, that's where I draw the line. So then he... All of a sudden, Haru summons his inner strength, and he's, like, ridiculously fast, dodges some punches, and gives the, the bad guy a fucking huge uppercut, knocks him on his ass, and then him and the old man take off in the woods. So they're running for a while, and then they stop, and the old guy's like, oh, that was pretty amazing of you, but I have a secret. And he's like, well, what's your secret? He's like, this is a disguise. And then he rips off his old man mask to reveal a slightly lesser old man face. It's just, he's basically an old man with the, the pointed mohawk, but he doesn't have as many wrinkles for, for whatever reason. 
okay, that's kind of like Doc Brown in Back to the Future 2, where he, like, <laughs> yes. I put on a mask and he looks exactly the same. That's exactly it, exactly it. Yeah, so we, we find out that his name is Sheba, and over the course of the dialogue, you find out he was the original rave master. Basically, what's going on in this world is that there's a fight between good and evil, light and dark. There's a good power, which is rave, and then there's a dark power, which is dark brain. There are two opposing forces. There was a huge war, uh, like, 50 years ago, and pretty much, like, a tenth of the world was destroyed due to this war. Basically, that's about to happen again. Uh, dark brain is being resurrected by this evil group, and now they need to find the rave. It turns out that Plue was uh, originally friends with Sheba. Actually, they were partners. Plue was the bearer of the rave and basically saved Sheba's life 50-something years ago when an event known as the Overdrive happened, and that was when the 10th the of the world was destroyed. So Plue's been lost ever since, and now he's come back. That's basically the conversation they have in the woods. Enter the bad guy that they originally encountered. Finds them. He's like, hey, guess what? I'm going to kick your asses now because you made me look like a dickhead. He whips out this fucking Mega Man arm cannon, takes aim at Shima, who actually has uh, some rave, but he can't use it. And because he can't use it, he gets blasted through his chest with the Mega Man laser. So he's sitting there. That would have killed him instantly, wouldn't it? It should have. Maybe the rave has something to do with it. Who knows? He's resilient. I don't know. Maybe he knows some ancient technique where he was able to move his internal organs out of the way so that they didn't get destroyed. He's getting better, pretty much. (laughs) He's getting better. So that happens. So Haru is like, oh my fucking god, you are going to die because that's what I do. With his last bit of strength, Shima tosses the rave to Haru. Haro, with it in his hand, runs up to the bad guy, gives him an uppercut, which in turn fucking explodes his face and knocks him like 50 feet back. That's basically the power of Rave, is it fucking gives you awesome powers. Uh, they bring Shima back to the house, and where he's recuperating with his almost certain death. The bringing fucking injuries. Well, he's an old man. He could. It's, it's manga level of death, which means he could be brought back to life. <laughs> yeah, he's not. I'm not dead yet. Well, it actually, it turns out that Plue has the ability to uh, basically sit on a wound or, or sit on whatever, and basically, sit, like if you're bleeding to death, he'll sit on it, and then all of a sudden, magically, you're not bleeding. You still, you know, you don't have your full health back yet, but uh, so he probably takes a shit on it, and then that shit causes. A plus 10 HP? Yeah, it's like a t- ticking heal, basically. Ah. So, so yeah, that's that's basically our introduction. So, as Sheba's getting healed in bed, the bad guy comes back, looking for blood because he's super pissed. He subsequently got a power-up back in town from one of his superiors, who's like, here's my old dark brain, quip this and go kick their ass, because that's what you're supposed to do. So he goes back into the woods in search of Haru and family to get his revenge. And killed him, yes. Yeah. So they're sitting there minding their own business. She was fucking in bed, coughing like a withered old man, and then all of a sudden, (laughs) the house gets blasted through with a giant fucking laser. Gee, I wonder who that is. They run outside. It's him. It's the bad guy. Without any Mega Man arm cannon anymore, he just did it with his new dark brain. He basically went evil and maniacal with power, and he's drunk. He's ready to kill. So they start fighting. How's Haru going to beat him? Well, it turns out that Shiba had one more secret. Not only does he have the little rave, but that rave fits inside of a sword called the Ten Commandments, which he had wrapped up in a bundle this whole time. Where he was hiding it, I don't want to know. It could be a little bit creepy. He wakes up, gets out of bed, and he's like, Hey, Haru, catch this. And he throws the fucking sword at him. Catches the Ten Commandments. Sees a little slot where the rave can go, sticks it in, this thing gets powered up, and it becomes Aizen Meteor, and it's like the first level up. Apparently there's like ten different incarnations of the sword, hence the name Ten Commandments. It has different abilities suited to the situation there, obviously. So, he's fighting the bad guy, and the sword transforms into... EXPLOSION! 
So basically it does just that. He slices at the enemy, explodes, destroys his new dark brain, and he's turned into Lord Gaylord Sissy Pants, and he faints and cries back home to mommy. So that's basically our first battle. That's our introduction in, into Rave, and it looks like that's what's going to happen, is he's going to go on a quest. There's some other elements. Uh, I forgot to mention these kids are orphans. The mother's dead and the father's disappeared, and it turns out that... He has some. His father is well known throughout the land beyond the island, back at the mainland, and it's just going to be an adventure trying to track down all the rave elements to fight the dark brain. Cool. Art's good. I guess it's similar to like Naruto in a way. It looks like that style. It's it's an enjoyable style. I like the the use of the motion, like the punches and stuff, the way that they carry through with it. Art was decent. I have nothing bad to say about the art. Looked pretty good. I mean, there's a little bit of humor injected in there. Not too much. I don't know if it was lost in translation or whatnot, but maybe later on in the series it gets it You gets like Plue eating the inanimate objects. <laughs> yeah, Plue's pretty funny. He's a pretty funky thing. He, he vibrates and he goes... Girls must like him a lot, though, if he, is, if he vibrates and has a long nose. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> Actually, I know quite a few women who would enjoy a plue around. Again, my point. You should have a plue as an assistant. <laughs> oh, yes, and plue can be used as a weapon, too. Apparently, that horn carrot nose of his is insanely sharp. And at one point, Haru's sister, Cataltea fucking stabs him in the back with it like it's like oh hey sis what's up and she's like did you touch my bra and she like stabs him in the back he's like ah what the fuck <laughs> and he can also be used as projectile and thrown like a spear so Blue's Blue's pretty good character that's animal cruelty though but uh, yeah well he's not really an animal he's a thing he's a, he's, he is a noun <laughs> yeah. he was a person place or thing <laughs> But yeah, it looks like an enjoyable series, and I would definitely recommend it to anybody that would that would read it. So out of our five-point system, what would you give it? Far from a friend, Gift from a Crazy Art Muriel, typical reading material at a local crash facility, really, really, really fucking cool, or take it to a priest, purify it, and burn it? I would definitely hope somebody would get it as a gift from their crazy Aunt Muriel, who does... So, <laughs> so okay, but forgettable? You'll have to see how it pans out. That was just my first read. The series might get great. Actually, I'm going to bump it up. Far because from a friend? I would definitely borrow it from a friend because as I was reading it, I almost didn't stop to put it down. I want to find out what happened next. So it's a good read. And also John Paul Fightbait from Fightbait.com loves the series here. Stories of him having relations with a girl dressed up as one of the characters. But again, that you have to listen to Fightbait.com or email him about that. That's pretty cool. So you really dug it? Yeah, I, I dug. You know, I kept an open mind going into it, uh, but it actually surprised me. So very cool. That's cool. Ah, so we should get into my manga. Yes, and again, we are returning once again to the grandfather, not the grandfather, the quote-unquote <laughs> unofficial crazy Uncle Jiro of the manga universe. Yes, it's the return of Go Nagai. Yes, the crazy motherfucker who brought us such things as Cutie Honey and Mileage Jack. Yes, it's another one of his series. And this guy is completely fucking batshit crazy. If you haven't listened to our, our Cutie Honey or our Violence Jack episode, definitely go back and listen to them. It'll give you a little bit of history on who he is, what he's done, and so on and so forth. And this manga I'm going to be reviewing that I spun on the Wheel of Manga is a little important. Now you're probably wondering, what does he mean? The reason why is that it is a stepping stone. Because, Deke, when you think about manga or anime... What are the typical things you would think of specifically, like that are brought from that world to our world? Ah, uh, let's see. Well, to be honest with you, the first thing that comes to mind: giant robots. Yes, and this is actually one of the big ones because originally, if you think about giant robots, the first giant robot really we go back to Osamu Tezuka, where he created Astro Boy back in the day. He created Astro Boy, very influential character. We will get to him eventually, and then after that, you had. Gigantor Tetrogen 28. I love Gigantor. A lot of people don't remember him, but also Giant Robo, another big robot. But all of this changed when, of course, going to guy who brought lifeblood and insanity and things like naked women, boobs, and other things came about. He had an idea, a brilliant idea, pretty much in 1972. He rewrote the Christmas list of generations for boys with giant robots. He made a giant robot equipped with arcanely named technological gadgets, which would become the ultimate toy. And he was the first 
writer to understand that when young readers wanted, they wanted a special bond with their robot in which their unique qualities could fulfill its potential. The invention of that burning spirit, that courage which is needed. And in this series, it was the union between the pilot and the robot himself. And it was almost as if the robot was an extension. It wasn't just a power armor. It wasn't just robot destroyed. No, it was the robot was an extension of the pilot's will. He could move with it almost. And this would eventually become that the pilot is the brains, the heart, and the soul of the robot. And this would begin the concept of other robots, like the combining robots, like Voltron, or Galgaigar, or things like that, where you'd have them combining, where they take multiple forms. Or like the one series with the supercar, where it's five little cars that combine to make a bigger fucking car. He created all these things. And then this would lead up to things like Gundam, and all these other awesome series. Power Rangers. Power Rangers, yes. And Tokusatsu. And, and Gonagai created all of this. Basically, he's the originator of when robots became from just mechanical toys to this. Which is why some people say that mechotakus are completely fucking insane. And just to let you know, I'm not a mechotaku. I don't like a lot of mech series. But if it's Gonagai, that's different. Because he's fucking Gonagai. I mean, the only person more fucking batshit crazy than him is Kazuo Koike. And what series am I talking about? I'm talking about a series which came out October 2nd, 1972 to August 13th, 1974 with six volumes. And there's so many TV series. And this series has been remade over and over again. And then there are sequel series. They said, okay, this robot, we're done with this. So we're making an upgrade robot series. And then a fucking another upgrade. Just put a Z in front of it. And an X. And then let's and put a great... Uh, no, a great in front of it. Then let's take out the Z <laughs> and turn it into Kaiser. And then change Kaiser into... Galactic! And I am slowly going crazy right now. <laughs> I need to take a fucking deep breath. And the thing is that if you go around the world, Europe, this is insanely popular. South America, insanely popular. Mexico, it's still fucking airing on air. <laughs> Here, it was on in 85 to 87. In but And then the Philippines? Don't even get me started about the Philippines. They they love this series. They probably just redo the dub. You know, they'll just play the whole series and then re-script it. Yeah, it's El Salvador <laughs> shows it. And there are so many fucking series about this. Now... What series am I talking about? I am talking about the one, the only, Transor Z. No, seriously. Mazinger Z! Gonna guy, you sick son of a bitch. Yes. Mazinger Z. This series is fucking awesome. Now, first off, what is Mazinger Z? Mazinger is a giant fucking robot series, right? Definitely. But what is Mazinger? What is the series about? Well, the series is about... Koji Kabuto, a young man who lives with his brother and his grandfather, Dr. Kabuto, a completely ugly as shit guy. He, he looks like he looks like he was an extra in Total Recall. Like this guy looks like shit face. He looks like he's been horribly scarred from several experiments, and actually that might be the reason, because he says in the first dialogue with his grandson, he's like, I'm sorry I killed your parents in that horrible accident. They were just helping me with an experiment. I did not mean for them to die. It was my beautification experiment. Ah, I'm tired of being ugly. But he's like, it's okay. You take care of us, Grandpa. You and your millions of dollars. Because he is rich. And the house is a nice little house. Very simple. And Koji and his little brother do not have to want for anything. He just got a brand new motorcycle. And he's driving along with his friends. Like, this is brand new. He's like, yeah, my grandpa doesn't have any more expenses for his experiment. So the hundred million dollars he has for us is enough to live on. And you're like, holy shit, this kid's fucking rich. And they're driving along, driving along, going to school. And he stops the bike in front of the school. And suddenly there's an earthquake. And immediately I think, oh god, it's the Great Kanto Earthquake. Where's Violent Jack? And then I remember, wait, no, Violent Jack came after this. It's Odin Dappleman, so not yet. How do, yeah, how, why do these giant earthquakes always signify something evil happening? Well, I don't know, just because. It's just how Golden Guy works. <laughs> Giant earthquake! So everyone's freaking out. When this earthquake stops, everyone's like, what the hell happened? And he's wondering, oh god, this must have been a 5 6 on this JM scale. Uh, I gotta go back checking. Grandpa's okay. If you check this out. And, and his teacher's like, you're gonna be tardy again? Yeah, fuck you! <laughs> fuck you, I'm rich, bitch. He drives and he goes to his house. It's perfectly fine. No damage. He's like, okay, maybe everything's fine. They see in the backyard a giant fucking pit. And he's like, wait, what the hell? Looks like there's a basement there. We had a basement? What? And so, being the intrepid young lad he is, he decides to go into the basement. And he goes down there, he falls. Dump. He sees a giant fucking laboratory. Like, his house will stay is roughly maybe 
300 by 500 feet, right? And then the height's maybe one story. Underground, he's about, let's say, a half mile by a half mile. Underneath this guy's house is a fucking giant lab. And he's like, this looks like the lab that Grandpa used to have. I wonder what it's for. And he's looking around, and he sees this giant face. He's like, what the fuck? And then he hears a voice say, that is your power, Koji. The power of Mazinger Z. And he's like, what? He turns around, he sees a giant eye beam fell on top of Grandpa. So he goes, get, gets it off of Grandpa, and Grandpa is obviously bleeding because he fell on him. And he goes through this huge monologue that goes for 20 pages about how he's first like, ah, yes, the power of Mazinger will be able to help you be a god or a man. You could use the power to destroy the world, or you could unite it under itself. You could be a leader of its own. And every time he looks like he's about to to succumb he stands up and he's moving around he's like didn't you get crushed wasn't your spy crushed by the eye beam how are you running around in circles right now grandpa you should be dead and no. he and he goes on this monologue explaining what this thing does and then he dies and koji's to me like okay this is kind of cool but how do i activate and before he died grandpa said use the pile dar and he sees this kind of cool hovercraft it looks like a small one-person vehicle with Two wings. It's kind of difficult to describe. Let me see if there's a picture of it so I can show Deke. Nope, no picture. But he goes in this pile dog and there's a bunch of buttons on it. And immediately he's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? There's so many knobs and switches. He pushes a button. Immediately it goes off. It starts flying around. It's like, it's like, what the hell? And immediately it docks actually into the head of the robot. The pile dog actually shoots up. The wings fold up and it goes into the head, in the crown of the head. So it's the brain of... Yeah, it's like rock. a giant translucent dome, right? You yeah, and he controls see. it. Yeah. And immediately he's like, okay, this is kind of cool, so now I just gotta figure out what to do. And immediately he tries pushing a button, they see outside. A little boy going, ah, another earthquake! <laughs> and the house, the pristine house, destroyed, because Mazinger <laughs> pops out. <laughs> it's like, well, Mazinger, why don't you just use the back door? There is a cave, like couple hundred meters down the way. And Mazinger just starts walking around. Koji's piloting Mazinger. <laughs> and immediately, now you think, okay, young guy, probably, most anime series, he's able to control it immediately with the, right? Nope! He is trying to control this thing and he keeps smashing shit. <laughs> breaking buildings, breaking into schools. And immediately the police officer's like, okay, what, you're saying there's a giant thing destroying your house? What, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Behind him, you see a freaking foot, and he's like, oh, that. Oh, that giant robot. Yeah, so he's freaking out. Meanwhile, at the, the Photonic Institute, on the other side, they see, they hear news that there is a giant robot smashing the city, so they send their pilot in Aphrodite to fight him. And what is the Aphrodite? Another giant robot, and this one is a girl with boobs. Yes, the robot has boobs, but these boobs aren't boobs. They are fucking missiles. <laughs> <laughs> Rocket hits, go! Yes, already you're like, oh my god, this is... So, Aphrodite 1 shows up to face off with Mazinger. Meanwhile, inside, he's like, what the fuck? I can't stop Mazinger! I don't want you to do this! I thought we were supposed to help people! <laughs> we're supposed to be friends! So, so he eventually gets Mazinger to stop. And Aphrodite One is looking at him, and they are eventually able to communicate with him and say, "What? What are you? Gonna, who is this? Who are you?" He's like, "Look, my." And they knew immediately that they saw the way the robot was designed because they tried fighting the robot. The robot was fucking indestructible. And why is it? It's because it's made of super alloy. Z. <laughs> it's indestructible. And meanwhile, they get him calmed down. They say, "Okay, well, so your your grandfather made this for you, so you could save the world or something like that." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah. And as they're talking, suddenly at the institute, they get an alarm. Apparently. A bunch of giant mechanical beasts are attacking the city. What? So, what can Mazinger do? What can Koji do? He has to fight to save the day. But I'm just little Mazinger Z with my indestructible Z armor. What is a poor boy supposed to do? And he mans up like a man should. He shows up and he rocket punches them in the fucking face. <laughs> they try stopping him. He kills them. With all the power of Mazinger. Mazinger uses all of his weapons, including the Koshiroku Beam, which is photonic energy to blast him into oblivion. Then there's his Missile Punch, which is a bunch of missiles shoot from his chest. Then, of course, the signature weapon in every single robot since it has at least this weapon. The Rocket the punch. punch, which the, the complete arm will come off and just freaking punch something straight through. Then, of course, the last weapon, his Rust Hurricane. <laughs> 
Now, what is a rust hurricane? Pretty much opens up his chest, a bunch of turbines go out, and they throw these huge winds at the person. You think, oh, okay, what's wind going to do to the monster, right? No. The problem is that inside of the wind is this highly corrosive particles. Actually, supposedly it's like ionized hydrogen. But what happens is when it hits metal, it automatically rusts the robots over. And these are mechanized beasts, so... Perfect weapon. Yes. Oh, I forgot his other weapon. The breast fire! <laughs> Simple. Use the photonic energy to burn shit. Chest laser beam. Yeah, that's... Uh, that, all these are pretty much staples, so yeah. No, this... these are the first ones. This is when it first came out. If you no, think of this... giant robot shit, these are the weapons. This is like the fucking Ten Commandments of the <laughs> Bible, man. Like, Gonagai is a sick and twisted genius because he knows what the people fucking liked. He knew it before it even happened, and he spawned everything since. Yes, and Mazinger is just fucking that awesome. And now you're thinking, wait, okay, so Mazinger fights these robots, and then they burn away, right? No. There's a reason why these creatures are here, because many, many years ago, turns out that Dr. Koji was working on an excavation project with this other doctor, and they were kind of doing an archaeological project in the Barbdos, in the Greek Isles, and they discovered a bunch of robots underground, these ancient robotic creatures. And his old colleague said, Fuck you all! I'm taking over, I'm taking over the fucking world! And this guy changed his name to Dr. Hell! <laughs> it's, a, it's a good name. Good yeah, nature. good name. Good it name. rolls off the tongue, it's menacing. Yeah, Dr. Hell, I mean, I don't think of good things when I think of Dr. Hell. But uh, his name wasn't the only thing that was changed, now was it? No, he went crazy and created a bunch of people. And he needs henchmen, because he's an evil overlord. <laughs> he needs henchmen. So the first thing he does after he creates his armies, he needs a second-in-command. Besides his minions, who pretty much he kidnaps people and brainwashes them literally by cutting half their head off and, and putting circuitry in their head to make them... <laughs> he literally washes their brain. He puts, like, Clorox on it and shit. Yes. And so he gets a minion. So what he does is he eventually makes his... Right hand, quote unquote, man, Baron Ashura. Now, so Baron Ashura is this ultimate psychic. Baron Ashura, kind of cool fucking name. And when you first see Baron Ashura, you see half his face. He's a guy wearing a purple robe, and his face looks menacing and evil. Then it suddenly cuts to another person who looks, who's wearing a robe also, talking to Baron Ashura or talking to the minions. Except it's a woman, very beautiful, but you only see half her face. You're wondering, wait, what? Was like what? So Baron Ashra is two people? Is this, does he have a third in command somewhere? Is this, is this a mystery woman? No, what happened is that when he was on an excavation, he found two bodies that were mummified. He decided, let me combine them together to make my ultimate henchmen. Except he didn't realize one was a girl, one was a guy. So a half man, half woman was born. Yeah. And there's scenes when you actually see her naked. It naked, and half the body is all manly and in washboard stomach, and the other hand is Lilith and with big boobs, and you're like, like what the fuck? It's like, am I turned on by this or am I gay? I don't know. Yes, you're very confused by Baron Ashura's insanity and his just what the fuckness. I mean, what, what do you think happens when he has to go to the bathroom in a restaurant? Does he, like, just stand there and, like, shit his pants because he can't decide whether to go in the men's room or the women's room? I don't know. But later on, he has several other commands. Because Baron Ashra, like in most tokusatsu superhero series, Baron Ashra is Dr. Hell's most loyal servant. But he makes mistakes because he can't beat Mazinger. Mazinger beats the shit out of him. So, Dr. Hell has his second, second in command, or his third in command. Count Brocken! Now, Count Brocken is... A cyborg from World War II. Obviously, we think he's a Nazi, even though he doesn't have a swastika. And because he was injured during World War II, Baron Ashra had to do cyborg stuff to keep him alive. He had to do some barber surgery. And the only thing that really he was able to keep alive was his head. So he has his head, and they made a mechanical body that is controlled separately by the floating head. So most times you see just this very big head being held by a very muscular body. And you're like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, like, wouldn't you think that they would want the, the head, like, attached to the body somehow, or, like, that's how he ride? No, the body actually holds the head like a football and walks around with it and then places it on the table, and the head or the head controls the body and has it fight from a distance. It's weird. Oh, uh, and then, of course, he's going to make mistakes because, you know, the general's going to make a lot of mistakes. So then you have Viscount Pygmy. Now, you're probably wondering, what the hell's a Viscount Pygmy? Well... Again, he got bored again. 
and his Baron was making mistakes. So he said, let's take the, the body of a large tri- tribal man, and then, on top of it, we'll attach the upper body of a pygmy sorcerer instead of a head. So he has a huge muscular body, the top that's another fucking body. <laughs> what a sick son of a bitch. And then you have Archduke Gorgon. Who has the lower half of a tiger and the top of a, of a man. Is this Dr. Hell or Dr. Moreau? I, I can't decide, man. We don't fucking know. It's and, like, oh, I will... For my next experiment, I will combine a newt and a, a, a wasp. No, no. Make it... Make it dinosaur DNA inside of a... Of a... Of a... <laughs> fucking... Inside of a Pez dispenser. Who knows? So, either way, it is the battle between... Koji Kabuto and Dr. Hell in their battle for all eternity. And Mazinger isn't alone. Like we said, Aphrodite A helps him out. Then Aphrodite A gets destroyed. Then you have Diana A, who's the same reward, just a little bit shinier. And then, of course, there is Koji Kabuto's friend from school, known only as the boss. You know, the typical fat, mean, surly guy in a class who treats you like shit. He likes the pilot of Diana A, so he says, I'll help her out. I'll make my own robot. And his robot is Boss Barat. And what is Boss Barat? Essentially, he took a bunch of scrap metal together and made a big, dumb, clanky robot. <laughs> and that's his robot. And all his weapons really are is just kind of throwing shit at people. It's all like, you know, he has the rolling crush, and the hip attack, and the chain attack. He's got the, the triple A for when he breaks down. He can call <laughs> up and have the robot repair crew come out and give him a jump start. Yes, and every incarnation of this series has the same premise. This has been remade so many times in so many different anime series. They remade it in Mazinger. Then you had Great Mazinger. Then you had Grendizer. Then God Mazinger. Then Mazinger, the USA version. Then Mazin Saga. Then Z Mazinger. Then Mazin Kaiser, the OVA. Then the newest series is Shin Mazinger Shogitken Z. And then the new Mazin Kaiser series coming out this year. But also they have... Uh, wait, what's that one called? Mazinger Mazinger? No, Mazinger SKL. <laughs> but then, of course, there's the Versus series, like Mazinger vs. Devilman. Mazinger vs. the Great General of Darkness. Mazinger vs. Getter Robo. <laughs> and you saw how awesome Getter Robo was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With the Getter Beam, so who could win? Then Maz- Great Mazinger vs. Getter Robot G. Then the UFO, Grendizer vs. Mazinger. And I could go on and fucking on about this series and how awesome it is. How much do you think uh, that guy pays insurance a month on Mazinger? Up until, like, the third volume of the series, Mazinger doesn't take any damage. Oh, okay. But they're smart. Because most series, you fight the bad guy, send the robot, so on and so forth. These guys get smart, though. At one point, Count Brocken says, Okay, so fine. You want to destroy our robots? We'll put hostages in the robot. And you're like, oh, he's going to... What, is he going to tie babies to the robot? No. He gets a robot... Kidnaps a bunch of women, they're naked, and he puts them in bubbles around the robot. So if he hits the robot, the girls die. Ah, oh, what a dilemma. So what can Mazinger do? Well, Mazinger shows you the man and wins the day anyway. <laughs> you, you know, since it's like a teenage kid piling Mazinger, she just uses teenage mentality and pop the, the bubbles like a zit. <laughs> and the naked girls pop out like pus. And then just be like, hey, baby, I saved your life. And then whoop the robot's ass. But you see, he overcomes it. That's what I would have done anyway. Yes, oh man, man. I could go on and on about this series. I'm already going fucking crazy with this series and how long it is. <laughs> I and think you're I think you're a certified Mazinger fucking otaku. Nut. No, no, I am not. I've met Mazinger otakus. I've seen them. One of them is Mike Dent. He actually has all the robots, all the things. He paid the $900 for the fucking one-tenth size fucking model kit. I'm not that crazy. I like Mazinger. I think he's awesome. And he is really... And he is the predecessor for all the other series. So that's why I, I have to get... I mean, this series is dated. Don't get me wrong. The manga... It was released over here in 85 as Transor Z. Very hard to get a hold of. But... Um, the series is very off the hook. It is very crazy. It is very addictive. It's short, though. It's only five volumes. Like, most of his series are only a volume to five volumes long. It's got a very old look to it. It has that 70s quality, but it's still very cool. I like that look. It, it's come <coughs> around. It, you know, it probably went out of style for a little bit, but it's fucking back in. It's back, and Mazinger is Mazinger. But the one thing I we have to bring up before we forget is if you watch the anime, 
one thing that everyone will remember, no matter what. One thing that everyone remembers from the anime, and if you remember my top 50 anime opening closing background music of all time, we had this. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the theme song. The theme song is fucking awesome. And why? Because it was sung by Ichiro Mizuki. Who is the fucking man? If you hear an anime robot series, he will fucking do the opening. It will be awesome. It is that that fire, fire, burning passion. I mean, ironically, the first time we ever heard of him wasn't from an anime series. It was from a video game. Video game, way back in from, the Nintendo 64 days. Yes, the N64, the Legend of the Mystical Ninja Star and Goemon Impact Goemon's transformation sequence. Dash, dash, dash! Da-da-da. I love that song. That song was awesome. Like, back in the day, I used to have save files because you couldn't just, like... <laughs> there weren't CDs back then. It was disc files. No, there were CDs, but it, we didn't have, like, YouTube and stuff where there was a plethora of information at our fingertips. We actually needed the physical thing. Since I didn't have it, the only way I could I could get this music and listen to it over and over again was to have a save file right before I transformed into the robot. So I did, and I loved it. And this guy, Ichiro Mizuki... He is the fucking man. He does these live fucking shows where all he does is sing his greatest anime hits, and it's awesome. And the thing it's is, fucking he great. Looks, you look at him. Really? Does he look that old? No, he definitely doesn't. I mean, obviously it's a hair piece unless he dyes no, his hair. He, he may dye his hair, but his audience, he's got a whole light show, he's got smoke machines, he's got a fucking live band. And it's great. And it's he has this show. awesome... He always wears the same thing. The leather black pants, the leather shirt, and then either he wears a white duster or he wears the red, red, blood red duster. It's like a satin fucking... No, that's leather, man. That's gobby leather. It's like Michael Jackson style, man. But he is awesome. <laughs> he gets you pumped. You hear, uh, Missile Punchy, <laughs> or, or, Come Battle with Ethan, you will literally be like, oh, man. And... The last time I heard him was from um, Shin Getter vs. Neo Getter, which had him, because he was the original, one of the original originators of Jam Project, and the new successor for Jam Project singing together to do it, and that just was awesome. But, alright. One of the coolest things, real quick, uh, is obviously this guy must be huge in Japan, because his <laughs> whole audience has like a dance routine going on. Like, I go to a lot of concerts and stuff, I've seen the whole Fish, they have a huge audience participation thing. Grateful Dead has have songs where people, everybody, the whole audience knows at one point to be like, woo, or something like that. This guy, his whole audience the entire time is going nuts. They have like, a, everybody knows the choreography. Like, they're sticking their hands up to count one, two, three, and then they go fucking do this crazy robot's fucking smash attack. It's awesome. It's, it's it, it got me pumped. Even though, I'm, like, I'm, the culture is a little bit freaky, you know, to me, but... I, I can appreciate it for what it is. It's now, actually a feat to be able to pull off something like that. Now, here's the question. If he was coming to one of the concerts we were invited to, would you go to the concert? Fuck yeah, I would. <laughs> I would go just to see everybody else, and I would be going nuts at that. I'd be just, like, freaking out. It'd be awesome. Oh, man, if he came here, it would be fucking awesome. And he does the English version. Oh, really? Yes, and since we're on by the YouTube, let us play the Mazinger English version. Okay, even though you said that was in English, I still don't understand a single word he said. Yes, unless you read the actual lyrics, you don't know what he said, but still, that burning passion is still there. The burning so, old passion! It suddenly I have Explode the, a pants! It suddenly I have the urge to punch a giant robot in the face. I feel like, dude, I wish I could rocket punch in real this life. This is gym music. Oh, absolutely. This absolutely. is what you listen to when you're lifting up weights, just go. <laughs> Just training intensely, like... <laughs> <laughs> 
You got that sick, sadistic look in your eyes. <laughs> Go! That just some guy comes back, you like rocket punch, <laughs> knock him to the ground. <laughs> it's like, oh wait, I, I didn't actually mean to put my fist through this guy. I'm only supposed to do that with robots. Uh, still awesome. So, art styles, meh. Story is is the premises for everything possible, and it's going to guy. For that reason, I have to give this really, really, really fucking cool. If you do not read this right now, track a fucking copy of this. Your brain will freeze, your eyes will swell, and your soul will be forfeit to the great. Well, not Soma Gustar today. Your soul will be forfeit to Gona Guy. And then what will happen is you will be rocket punched in the groin. Or if you're a girl, in the face. Check this fucking series out. I usually do not geek out this much. I didn't even geek out this much for Ranma. But this series just, you have to forget. It is that, that fucking burning, burning passion that makes you want to go fucking crazy. And now I gotta fucking punch something. <laughs> no, Zan, don't! Oh, at least I'm not like in anime world order when Gerald read Black Line where he had to punch himself the groin. Because that's how psyched it is. Because it's just how Gona guy fucking rolls. When you read his shit, you get pumped up. And you get really fucking pumped up. And I was not as pumped up with Cutie Honey, even though Cutie Honey was fucking awesome. And Violent Shack was fucking awesome. This really will fucking pump you up. <laughs> oh, Zan, I've never seen you this pumped up in my entire life. I've known you for 20 fucking years and I've never seen you so pumped. Okay. No more of this. No more of the pumped up stuff. Now we're able to calm down. To chill out. So. Let's find our zen space. Okay. We're um. in the cave. We're in the cave. Our power animal is a three-toed sloth. <laughs> and he's getting rocket punched in the face. Ah! <laughs> Alright, either way. So, you want to check out any of our earlier episodes, which have not of much burning passion as this episode. <laughs> but they are equally as funny. You can check us out at www.spirekin.com. And you can email us at spirekin at gmail.com. Deke.spirekin at gmail.com. And email me because I do read them. And Zan at spirekin.com. And I also read the emails. Also, if you want to listen to our sister podcast, the Spirekin Movie Review, it is a very special time because it is our first the month of 2011. And what are we talking about? We are talking about the... The month of swords, sorcery, and shirtless, sweaty, muscular men. And muscles! The muscles! I love muscles. I listen to the fucking, the Mazinger Z theme when I'm pumping iron. You just gave the greatest vision ever. I think so. A this A giant robot piloted by fucking Conan. <laughs> Fuck you, Mazinger Punch! <laughs> he has, still has a sword, though. It's just a giant flaming sword. <laughs> it's got robot muscles and shit. Robot muscles, just muscles upon muscles. Like, <laughs> But uh, Conan's like, a, he can't use technology that well, so he ends up just like, Fucking hacking his way out of the control room and fighting the giant robot with his own sword. No, no, no. He holds up the fucking giant robot sword because that's how strong he, he tosses is. It. He's like, ah, go, massing your rocky fucking sword. Throws it. Oh. Man. But yes, check out our other episodes. We have a lot of good stuff. If you want to hear more about Gona Guy? Check out the Cutie Honey episode and the the Violent Jack episode. Also, if you want to hear our other series, we definitely recommend just listen to our earlier episodes. For more information. Email us or questions, comments, and concerns. We'll answer anything and tell us what you think about what your favorite giant robot series is of all time. You could say Go Line. You could say Macross Valkyries or the Veritex from Robotech or the Gundams. Just give us a reason why you like the robot. And one more thing: if you had the opportunity to do one actual robot power of your own, of your own body, doesn't matter if it's plausible or not. What would you have? <laughs> And I, I, I already know what about half the responses are going to be, because I thought of it too. <laughs> I know. Rocket cock! <laughs> yes. <laughs> and suddenly the female demographic's like, this is boring! You perverts, next! So, either way, I think it's that part we've all been waiting for. <gasps> and what are we talking about? <gasps> We're talking about that one, that only, oh, yeah. Lee Yes, friends, the Wheel of Manga, except no substitute. Now, what is the Wheel of Manga? It is a Wheel of Fortune with ten slots on it. What we've done is we've assigned ten titles to the Wheel of Manga, and we're going to spin it. Whatever number it lands on, that's what we're reviewing in the next episode of the Sparkin Manga Review, episode 119. We're almost up to 120, even though we're not going to reach 154 by the end of the month. It's almost been three years since we started this series. Wow. 
Holy shit, I've been doing it so long. Alright, so you know I have a heart attack for a second, because I am out of fucking breath. Oh god, I gotta get the defibrillator pals. Where are they? Oh god, here they are. Clear! Okay, I'm back. Yes. <laughs> oh fuck, the series made me pumped up. Either way, so it's part of all the way four, we're talking about the one, the only, the, the Wheel of Manga, and we'll have you spin first to see what you're reviewing in the next episode of the Spock and Manga Review. Oh, the next episode you are on. Oh, Ah, I feel the wheel. My hand fills with power and desire and strength and courage. Go wheel spinner! I don't know what it is. You've got number six, which is is Aeon. Aeon is a series about a girl who eats people. Duh, just like every other woman I've ever known. Possibly, potentially, and so let me spin and see what I'm reviewing the next episode of the Spockin'. Manga review. So, for the next episode of the Spock and Manga Review, I am reviewing Dead Man Wonderland, which is a prison story about getting candy or dying. <laughs> you have to eat candy every three days or you will die from lethal injection. How? Damn, uh, Zan, that sounds a little familiar, kind of parallel to our own lives. No, 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 no. We don't have collars around our neck. Alright, true. But we do, we must eat candy. Candy! Yes, the candy. I've been eating candy this whole episode. I feel fucking great. <laughs> yes. This was a great, this is a fucking awesome episode. And holy shit, we've done an hour and something, 20 minutes. Fuck. Uh, so either way. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hope you brought that burning passion power to this series. This episode. I think we did. Both were excellent reviews, I think. And hope you enjoyed it. And as usual... This has been your co-host, Deke. And this is your host, Zan, saying, Rocket Punch! Loving our goal! Catch you next time, guys.